2: What are Q's true motives? Is it possible to live forever? And how do you poop on the Enterprise? One of the greatest things about Star Trek is the passion of the community to not just watch it uncritically, but to examine it deeper and try and fully understand the universe in which it takes place. Now, we've done lists before talking about some of the craziest fan theories of Star Trek, but that being said, we've hardly scratched the surface of what is out there. The Trek universe basically allows for anything to be possible. We've seen characters come back from the dead, aliens who can distort time and space on a whim, telepathic creatures the size of nebulas, and much more. Under these conditions, it's hard to disregard any theories about what's possible in Star Trek, but for this list we're going to focus on some of the most surprisingly believable theories out there. Some of these theories were found on Reddit, others from Trek video games, and a few were just things that everyday Trekkies end up thinking about sooner or later. With all that being said, I'm brief from Trek culture and here are 10 more crazy Star Trek fan theories. Number 10, the Klingons did not invent warp travel. We know that Klingon culture doesn't exactly hold scientists in high regard. Warp specialists like Kirak from the Next Generation episode Suspicions were social outcasts, shamed and ridiculed by the warriors of their society. One has to wonder how a species so adversarial to technology could ever invent faster than light travel. We all know from the Deep Space Nine episode, Little Green Men, that the Ferengi were able to buy warp drive technology from an alien species rather than invent it themselves. Perhaps the Klingons also got their tech from a more advanced empire. Little Green Men also confirmed that the Klingons got warp capabilities sometime after 1947, though Quark may have been off with his estimates, as it's known that the Klingons had interstellar colonies far before the 20th century. However, in the very next episode, The Sword of Kalis, it's revealed that the Klingon homeworld was invaded by the Herc much earlier, around the 14th century. Many fans theorize that the Klingon warp technology was actually reverse-engineered from tech left over from the Herc invasion, or maybe even some other alien encounter. Number nine, the Jat Vash secretly supported Shinzon's coup. Star Trek Picard introduced us to the Jat Vash, a centuries-old secret Romulan organization that covertly worked to protect organic life from its eventual demise by suppressing artificial life forms. In the first season, they were revealed to have orchestrated the synth attack on the Utopia Planitia shipyards at Mars showing that they're not afraid of breaking rules to achieve their agenda. But many don't realize that this agency has actually been around during all Trek shows before Picard, and has likely been the cause of a lot of struggles artificial lifeforms have had to deal with. Some fans even theorize that the Zhat were secretly involved in Shinzon's assassination of the Romulan Senate in Star Trek Nemesis. Perhaps the Zhat knew that Shinzon needed a complete blood transfusion from Picard, and thus would lure him in to capture him, which would, by extension, lead to the capture of Data, the most advanced android in the Federation. Eventually, Shinzon's attack led to Data's death, greatly hampering research into positronic brains. It may seem more likely that the Zhatvash would simply try to assassinate Data directly rather than sacrificing their entire Senate for the chance of taking him out, but maybe, fearing the new collaboration between the Romulans and the Federation following the Dominion War, the Zhatvash may have wanted to install a new puppet Senate that was more isolationist and anti-AI. Number eight, the real story behind the TOS console designs. The original series obviously had an incredibly different aesthetic from everything that came afterwards, and one of the biggest changes was going from consoles with random blinking lights, no labels, and mechanical buttons, cranks, and levers, to the far more familiar electronic screens and touchscreens with every system clearly labeled. Of course, the real reason for these changes were because of both an increased budget to improve background details and improved picture quality that made those details more noticeable. But that hasn't stopped creative fans from coming up with various explanations for the weird TOS console designs. One theory speculates that following the war with the Klingons that devastated the Federation, Starfleet adapted more coded, confusing controls to stall anyone who may want to take over their ship. After all, it's harder to find what button fires phasers when it doesn't have the word fire phasers on it. Presumably, after the Federation reached an era of relative peace, these coded consoles were phased out in favor of a more intuitive design. It's possible that advances in encryption and user recognition also played a role as well. Number 7, why Captain Ahab was such an offensive insult to Picard. When Lily was trying to convince Picard to give up his desire for revenge and blow up the Enterprise in first contact, Picard initially seemed unfazed, but instantly got more heated when she said one specific thing. Captain Ahab has gone to hunt his whale. Lily couldn't have known this, but it's likely that this comparison would seem incredibly offensive to someone from the 24th century. Captain Ahab was the whaler from the classic book, Moby Dick, who got his leg eaten by a whale and vowed to get revenge on it by hunting it down by any means necessary. In Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, whales and other cetaceans are revealed to be highly intelligent sentient beings and some have even served in Starfleet after being brought back. This makes Ahab less of an obsessed madman and more of a racist mass murderer. Knowing the touchy history between humanity and whalers, it makes a lot more sense why Picard would take such offense to being compared to Ahab. Number 6, holo addiction is a common condition in the 24th century. If you ask most fans what Star Trek technology they wish was real, chances are that the holodeck will be pretty high up on their list. This tech is the natural evolution of VR, fully immersive worlds complete with realistic characters and stories. In a holodeck simulation, reality can be whatever the user desires, no matter how unrealistic or even disturbing. With capabilities like this, it makes sense that people would become lost in these visual realities and obsess over them to the point where the real world becomes secondary. This is what's referred to as a holo addiction in Star Trek. Strangely, we haven't seen many examples of hollow addiction in Star Trek so far. The most famous example is Reginald Barkley, who suffered from the condition in the Next Generation episode, Hollow Pursuits. He was an extremely anxious person and found it difficult to form relationships with real people, so he created holographic caricatures of the Enterprise crew to talk to, take out his aggressions on, and even be romantic with. He eventually moved past his addiction, but relapsed in the Voyager episode, Pathfinder. Barclay's struggle was certainly an example of an addictive behavior, but one has to assume that the condition must be pretty common. Given that the opportunity to live any life you want or do or see anything imaginable would be too fantastic for most people to resist, even in a utopian future.
0: This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in
2: your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Number 5. Why Q is so focused on humanity. Q's supposed reasoning for putting humanity on trial in Encounter at Farpoint doesn't really make sense if you actually think about it. He claimed that humanity was a grievously savage race and had ventured too far from their home, spreading their flaws across the universe like a disease and demanded that they return home or be destroyed. Why then would Q not put the Klingons on trial? Or the Romulans? Or the Borg? or the Dominion. All are empires with similar or larger sized territory than the Federation, and have shown much less regard for freedom and the rights of others. It seems clear that Q's trial was not meant to punish humanity, but rather to teach them a lesson. Some believe that Q, and possibly others in the Continuum, may be training humanity to be their replacement. Q shared his powers with Riker in the episode Hide and Q, prepared humanity for the invasion of the Borg in Q Who, and the Next Generation finale All Good Things showed Q literally training Picard how to think outside of linear time to correct a disturbance in the past. On top of all of this, we learned in the second season of Star Trek Picard that Q actually can die naturally, not just at the hands of another Q. This makes the idea of Q training them to take his place even more likely, as does Q's comment at the end of the season that Picard matters to him, and that he's always been one of his favorites. Number 4. Section 31 stores copies of important people. We knew from the Next Generation episode Second Chances that Starfleet transporters are capable of copying people under certain conditions. This is what happens to Will Riker, resulting in his clone, Thomas. Also, the episode Relics shows us that Montgomery Scott was able to remain inside the transporter buffer, mid beam, for about a century. He was eventually materialized, reporting that it felt like only a few moments had passed, a technique that was also used by Dr. Umbenga in Strange New Worlds to prolong his daughter's life. One can also assume that it would be possible to combine these effects, allowing Starfleet to copy individuals and store copies of them inside a secret transporter buffer. Storing these copies would certainly infringe on their rights, but we know that Section 31 has no problem with breaking the rules behind closed doors. They probably wouldn't keep copies of every Starfleet officer, but perhaps only people that they deem to be extremely important. Data, the President of Earth, or Section 31 agents, for example. Using this method, which we already know is possible, anyone could be brought back from the dead, though their copies would only possess their memories up to the point in which they were split, so these stored doppelgangers would have to be continuously replaced. It's even possible that this has been done to characters before. Lieutenant Shaxx was resurrected using some mysterious, unexplained, and horrific medical science that he hesitates to ever talk about in the Lower Decks episode We'll Always Have Tom Paris. Maybe the real shacks did die, but the Federation couldn't stand to lose such a valuable officer. Number three, the Volve have pet dinosaurs. The Volf from the Voyager episode, Distant Origin, were descended from a genus of dinosaur called a Hadrosaur. These dinosaurs roamed the earth during the Cretaceous period over 65 million years ago. At some point, their ancestors realized that Earth was becoming unlivable and managed to develop interstellar travel, becoming one of the first spacefaring civilizations in the galaxy and eventually evolving into a more humanoid form over time. Some fans theorize that the Voth may have taken other dinosaur species with them when they left Earth, either as pets or a source of food. The game Star Trek Online even features a storyline where the Voth return and wage war against the Federation using armored Tyrannosaurus rex in combat, which props to Star Trek for getting the period correct in which T-Rexes actually existed. Now presumably, if they took any other dinosaurs with them, they would have also evolved into new species. But we know modern-day alligators haven't changed much since those times, so it's also possible that the species of dinosaurs survived the mass extinction and now live. Live among the vault. Number two, Star Trek is all an elaborate holodeck simulation. Holodecks from Star Trek share a lot of similarities with the simulation technology from the Matrix films. It would be entirely possible to live out your whole life in a holodeck simulation without ever realizing it, provided of course safety protocols were turned off. We've actually seen this be true a few times before. Julian Bashir was snuck into a holographic simulation by Section 31 while he was sleeping in the Deep Space Nine episode, Inquisition. And he only noticed because his kidnappers messed up a few minor details. Also, in Star Trek Insurrection, Admiral Dougherty secretly planned to transport the Baku people off of their home planet without their knowledge, by creating a holodeck recreation of their town aboard a ship with a massive holodeck. Trek being a holodeck simulation would also explain why humanity always seems to prevail against all odds, and why Earth is such a non-violent utopia. The people inside the simulation may be harvested for their energy, like the Matrix, or used for some other purpose. And, if the theory is true, it's impossible to say who is real and who's simply an NPC. Number 1. Boldly Going We don't know much at all about how the people in the Star Trek universe deal with bodily waste after the 22nd century. The biggest hints we've gotten were when a chunk of the Enterprise D was cut out in the episode Q Who, revealing what looked like a toilet on one of the decks as well as when Kirk, Spock, and McCoy were imprisoned in the ship's brig by Cybok, where we saw an unfoldable toilet and a sink, though we never learned how either of these actually functioned. All of this confusion has led to a lot of ridiculous speculation from fans. We know that people in the Star Trek future still have the same bodily functions as we do, but you would think some advancements would have been made. The prevailing theory is that Starfleet toilets are a kind of mini-transporter that beams the waste directly out of people's bodies. We already know from Admiral Vance in the Discovery episode There is a Tide that Starfleet ships recycle the atoms from their bodily waste and convert it into food using their replicators. So they wouldn't be just beaming their waste into space, but instead storing the matter that makes up the waste for use in replicators later. We've seen references to waste extraction in Lower Decks, Deep Space Nine, and other shows, which is most likely where they store their captain's logs. Or at least the atoms they're made out of. There's not much evidence for this theory, but it could be true. And
0: it's just so ridiculous that you know we had to include it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus,